0: I'm Allie J and I'm Crystal O and welcome to Not Your Token Black Girl, where we recover from spreading black girl magic wherever we go. From careers and cocktails to men and mental health, we're breaking it all down on what it means to wear the token crown.
3: So if you've ever said I'm not your token fill in the blank, then this podcast is for you. A fun and witty show that's a little bit shady, but 100% true. It's Saturday brunch combo with the girls in a quick 20 minutes.
0: Now let's get started. On today's episode, we have Dr. Charles Prince, um, a PhD and scholar. I've known him for far too long to call him Dr. Prince. So to me, he's just Charles. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Charles, tell our listeners about you.
2: Well, thank you for having me. And it's good to have SU alumni uh, doing some things like this. So, hey, you know, SU, <laughs> we are doing things, right?
4: <laughs> yeah. but,
2: uh, we are doing things. Um, no, so th- it's a pleasure. Uh, right now, I am the chief higher education officer for uh, the Global Education Executives Corporation. Uh, we are a, a nonprofit organization that does consulting uh, work across the country and in the globe, really around educational issues. And recently, we've been contracted to do um, some work around racism, anti-racism, uh, and non-racist, and these conversations about defunding the police, about, you know, how to become a non how do you understand if you're a non-racist or how to become an anti-racist, but also trying to understand this concept of you in the position of Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, depending on where you sit on the conversation, and really just saying, you know, where do we go from here, right? There's so much going on in our world. There's so much Uh, conversation about is it defund the police or because it sounds so good or is it we want to reallocate the money or is it we we want better policing right which depending on how you might look at it you can see there's three separate buckets and other people might say well it's all the same thing but that's not how people are interpreting it and what we're starting to see I'll I'll just explain in in some of our consultations with people is that there's this idea about defunding the police and there's these people who are I wouldn't call them liberal, but they they have a perception that we don't need police anymore, right? And that we should just defund all that money that we spend on police officers and, and law and order and public safety, we should just completely forego. But there's also a group of people who are saying, well, actually it is defund the police, but it's not like decommissioning the police. It's taking a percentage of the money and putting it into non-lethal policing uh, where they don't have guns and things of that nature. Or we take that money and put it in places like social work mental health services, typical services that um, in city governments, people tend to cut first because they're typically more expensive uh, compared to cutting law and order. And then there are people who are just diehard saying, this is just ridiculous, right? Like, why are we even having this conversation? You wouldn't even know what a world looks like without law and order. Um, And I think it's a valuable conversation to have, at least for us to have, um, not only as african Americans but just in society, because actually we've never, I think everybody has a point, well, we should rethink about how we do policing. We probably do need to reallocate the money. There might come a time in our history where we will have to go a decade or two or three without policing, because if you actually understood policing, you understand it as a a extension of slavery, right? Policing came about because slaves were leaving the plantation. So those slave owners needed people that they hire to be able to take these individuals and bring them back. So they are this commodity. Right. But now we're in a position where it's now part of our system, our political system. It is part of our legal system. We can't function without public safety. Right. We can't function without a sheriff or state trooper or whatever the case may be. So I think we are in this dichotomy in our in our history as Americans to really say, what is the future of policing? What is the future of policing in the sense of uh, law and order, which is not necessarily policing? It is about policies and rules that keep us in line. And then what is it about, you know, what it, overall, what it, what do we see as valuable and how do we start to understand our moral compass around trying to use government to uh, control or to control society or control people? And I think those are legitimate conversations. And so, you know, I look forward to the conversation, but that's been a real eye opener for me talking with whites, you know, Latinos, Blacks you know, people who are, who are born and raised in America, people who have come and started to work in America, who are trying to conceptualize this idea of policing. Because uh, you know, I, I lived in the UK and, you know, police still have batons, they don't have guns. Uh, you know, there's, you know, I had talked to one guy who was from El Salvador and he was like, I've seen six different you know, kinds of police because there's a government police and they have different factions. Then you got the drug lords who got their own policing. And you say yes, sir, and no, ma'am, to whoever you know is in uniform, and you don't know who's who. You know, so people have different ideas even around the world about what policing is, and then they have to come to America and grapple with that. So that's just some really interesting conversations. I think all of us need to start uh, reflecting on before we start going to the polls.
3: Yeah, I mean all of that, and I think you probably have answered my questions a thousand times just in that one nugget of conversation, but you know, the biggest thing and that stands out to me, and you address it again, maybe in the beginning of your conversation, but mm-hmm. the idea of defunding, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the trigger word that's been going around. Every time I go to a protest, which I, my boots on the ground, okay, I'm going to the protest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're talking defunding the police, right? And so my thing was, I want to come back and see what that means. Because in my head, and this is, you know, maybe unpopular opinion, but my thoughts is, it's not necessarily defunding; it's reform, right? It's like, you know, taking that million those, and I guess it is a little bit of defunding in terms of let's not give, let's not militarize the police by paying millions and billions of dollars for them to have tanks and SWATs and all this when we don't have proper healthcare um, initiatives within Black and Brown communities, right? And we don't have when when the there's a mental health emergency. And we've talked about this on another show, like I personally have family members that, are a family member that suffers with mental illness. And when the police are called before anything, so, and they take her to jail, they're not gonna take her to, um, to the state hospital every time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, because there's not always funding if you don't have insurance, like, so those are the types of things where I'm like, where, where do you think, and in your opinion, does it make the most sense in terms of defund versus reform? And then I guess another popular word is like divest, right? Like
4: Mm -hmm.
3: just completely like no, in in this community, no policing, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are your thoughts with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and and I'm always transparent. I am a Republican. uh, And so I do have some, you know, some form of Republican ideas. Okay, I not I'm crazy, but I am in some, in some forms. Um when it comes to this I I'm, I'm on I mean in. So you camp, ain't
3: talking right. black
2: guy. Yeah sometimes I am. Uh, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Oh lord. Uh, but Seriously, hey it, I'm it is I, I'm all for I'm all for taking the institution and transforming it. Uh so I wouldn't necessarily say at the moment we are we are in a position where we should be taking funding away from um police altogether. I think we do need to reallocate that money. I think we need to keep the Kind of not, not this, the current structure, but keeping it in a way and sense of saying, fire everybody else and then just rehire and change the structure, right? Yeah. yeah I don't necessarily think America is ready nationally as a scalable uh, initiative to say, we don't want police, right? I Do you think, think police
3: need guns, though.
2: No, actually, I don't, because I lived in the UK, right? So I lived in the UK. Um, That's what I was going to say. Like, you live yeah. in the UK, they, they don't, they don't have
3: weapons. Like... But
2: the, the issue then becomes the government needs to then write reform law on, on gun policy. So in the UK, you can only go, for example, you can have a gun, um, but you can only have a gun on your property. And actually, it ta- it's really hard to get a gun. And if you, want to, if you want to go and use a gun, you have to go to certain allocated locations, right? Mm-hmm. The biggest thing in the UK that you're dealing with is knife crime. Like, you will hardly ever hear about someone going on a shooting spree or anything of that nature. They would have to have smuggled butts from somewhere. There's just, yeah, there's just no real form of, uh, you know, a a systemic problem with guns.
0: And that's what I was going to say. This is a system, because I think you touched on this when you said this is rooted in slavery, right? So we it's always been the Wild West here and guns Mm -hmm. have present in every, you know, scene in our American history. So... We talk about defunding versus decommissioning. All of this is on the backdrop of gun violence, right? right? Gun violence ending in Black dead bodies. Whereas the UK and other countries don't have that racially violent history as deep-rooted in their, in their culture and, and society.
2: So no, you're right. You're exactly right. And I think that's why I say we need to fire everybody. And rehire because if you think about the kinds of people we allow, even if even if you allow them to have guns, let's just assume that the gun conversation won't change because it, you know if you take away guns from police, you won't you won't get anybody to become a police officer because the people that they're having to to pr- protect will also have guns. So you're showing up to the gunfight with a knife, right? That's kind of the police perception. But the idea is that the people that we currently have in this in this uh, organization, everyone is corrupt. Everyone, whether you are the rotten apple. Or the bad apple, you're all bad. Let, let, and let's make that assumption. Whether, whether you're a good person morally, whatever the case may be, you're part of a, an institution that has not properly trained an organizational culture that allows us to have these appropriate conversations, right? Because okay. the response from police officers has been, you know, we'll take my money, but you want me to deliver you, you know, protection and safety and gold you know, on, a, on a penny. And I said, well, welcome to being a teacher because teachers yeah. get paid less. They train your children for eight hours a day. You know, some people get paid $30,000 a year in some states as teachers, um, as a starting salary. And I'm thinking, and, and they're that putting- That makes time no in sense
0: way. in my brain.
2: Like, unless, exactly, level.
0: This comes back to the foundation of this. There's more value in policing. Not, it's, it didn't start off as Americans, policing black bodies. And educating the population. So to defund or completely decommission whatever D word you want to use on on the various spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Defend whatever you want to do, it's not as black and white as that because you want unless we tackle the historical reasons for the founding of this segment in our society, really any changes we make are superficial. Um, well, you know, I because it's retraining a culture. You've got to retrain white culture, or not retrain, educate white culture on the real relationship between police and every non-white person, And then you've got to reprogram historical generational fear in the black and brown communities of a disconnected relationship and almost, you know, a combative relationship with the police police have never been you know, necessarily violent towards me, but I still don't mess with them at all because I know most likely because of my skin color, I'm not gonna be able to walk away from that. I think before we even talk about defunding or decommissioning, we need a whole cultural shift. And do you think we're there as a nation To make that cultural shift before we can even figure out do we fund money into education do we defund the police do we decommission them
3: i think that's what it would be right and charles i mean not to cut you off here i i think that my thoughts is in terms of defunding when i say like you know if we're defunding it's for for reforming right it's like we and then in the black and brown communities instead of adding additional police into those communities to police black bodies it becomes we're adding additional funding to ensure that black home ownership is is more prominent and that mental health care is um is accessible and education is better because i feel like if there's a comfort level where you know you don't feel like and and I may not be explaining this right but Crystal just like you said you don't have a a fear of the police because not only the way that you grew up but the way that you live now you don't necessarily you're not scared to call the police
0: right neither well, and well no mm, it's not that I'm scared or not scared to call the police but something would have to be drastically wrong for me to call exactly. the police yeah so much to say you know, if someone were breaking into my home, my first instinct isn't to pick up the phone and call one. My first instinct is to get a gun or a knife and deal with it myself. Because mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, if these cops show up, are they going to think that I'm a black homeowner in this neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. So I could end up getting shot or my husband or my child. So I would rather deal with it myself. But if I've exhausted all other... Um, options to protect me and my family, then I'm calling the police. Whereas if I were a white woman, the first thing I'm going to do is call the police because yeah. that's my safety net. Whereas a black
2: woman, they aren't my first safety net.
3: Yeah, I feel that.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, no. the funny thing is, is, I don't even remember when we were in college, was it in college? Maybe before, right before we went to college, there was an old woman, she was white, um, and the burglar was also white and uh, he broke into her home. And as he was, and she was asleep upstairs or whatever, he broke into her home and our our judicial system, right? As an example, um, he broke in, he fell and cut his leg on her like dining table, kitchen or whatever. He became incapacitated, couldn't leave. She called the police, police came. He sued her and won, even though he was the burglar. Exactly, even though he was the burglar, he sued her in won because of whatever whatever he did, and it, it was oh, on the idea. news. And it was just like, Wait, what does our society say when the the person who is the burglar seems to get an upper hand on the victim, right? And that's how Black people feel. Black people yeah, feel like yeah. if I was to if if I was to call the police, I I'm the one, even though I'm the victim, will be considered the criminal, and the judicial mm-hmm. society will see it as even though in the situation I was a criminal, however, the person that did the perpetrating was legitimate. And there's this book called uh, Biased, it's really interesting, I forgot the author's name. Mm. And she said a number of times when the white officer got on the stand and he talked about what the situation that happened with George Floyd, uh, would happen. not George Floyd, um, with a couple of others like Br- not Breonna Taylor's, a couple of others before that. Eric Cameron, Garner. Yeah, Eric Garner, although, so they always said, I feared for my life. That's always the line. That's always the, first of all, how can you in power, whether you're white, black, Asian, whatever, right? How can you sitting on top of somebody fear for your life? Now, someone explained that to me. And that's why I said we need to fire everybody and think about how we are training people. Because again, the 22-year-old can become a police officer. The 22-year-old is now trained by the the 30-year veteran. Who's given him all the ins and outs? In the Bias book, she said that in some communities, an officer will hear somewhere around 1,200 times. You need, there's a call, you know, black male, male who's black, you know, young black male, old black male, whatever the case may be, 1,200 times. If you think about that over a year, that's over 100,000 times they have heard, they have responded to calls where the, 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 the suspect is a black person right there's no conversation about mental health there's no conversation it's conversation about color it's always color and gender and that constant has now and think about it they've even tested these individuals and found out that that they're biased in many ways has changed their hippocampus which trains the way in which we you know perceive space and time which where we perceive uh, quite a few things out in um you know as people and and color and things the hippocamp, the physicalness of our brains start to change based on bias, right? So obviously, going in and doing some certificate training, going trying to train people to become aware isn't going to work. It's not going to work. We have to literally carve everyone out, strip everyone of their degrees, everyone of their years of experience, and start from the from the beginning to be able to do that. Now the other option for me is we get rid of it altogether, because the slicing and dicing of stuff you end up recreating the exact same thing under a different name. So I was having conversations with people when we were were doing this for companies and people were saying, well, actually, yeah, because in Minnesota, the person in charge of the police is called public safety and affairs, but the person in charge of police is called the sheriff in Texas. Now think about the concept between the two states in the same country. All, you know, majority of white states, you know, they have the diversity, whatever the case may be. But the Northern state says, it's a public affairs safety concern. And the South still says things like, you know, it's the sheriff, you know, it's the state trooper. And you're like, wait a minute. If you're police, you're police everywhere. What's with all these special names of individuals? But it speaks to no matter what you do or form you do or cutting and dice in, you might build the exact same thing, just under a different name. You'll call the pig a pig even though you dress it up with a wig and put some makeup on it, it's still a pick.
3: So then you're, so the solution, cause I like the solution. I think it makes sense. I think everybody's got to go and we get everybody back and yeah. they start from scratch. Right. Yeah. But then what are, what do you put in place at that point? Right. Cause I've been seeing, mm-hmm. I follow that campaign, the eighth, they can't wait. I yep. thought that was pretty powerful and meant in my head made a lot of sense, but I do think that that's something that's hard to like, um, too, because they're using body cam, they have all this stuff but police just don't follow it right so now you're saying we just get rid of them we start over what goes on after that like what do you think the the next step is once we rehire people on how do we make sure that the police brutality against black and brown people can stop right
2: well you look at camden new jersey uh you know my wife's from new jersey uh and i've been to camden i've also been to there's this city on the other side of Camden in Jersey, I believe it's called Collinswood or something like that nature. And it's very clear. There's a black side, there's the lake and there's the white side, right? Um, and Camden got rid of the police altogether. And they are considered one of the areas where you know, we could replicate what it looks like not having police at all. And the reason why I say not having police is because we need to have somewhere in our history where there is a clear break. And I had this conversation with someone who's Caribbean and they'll say, in the Caribbean, the reason why you see quite a few people who still uh, cling on to the colonialism of wearing the white wigs and thing as a judge, um, or some of these other you know racial tones that they seem to keep you know having around the Commonwealth and being close to the crown, there was never a clear delineation from past to present. They perceive us in the U.S. to say we had time to reflect, to think to do X, Y, and Z. So for them, there was a clear difference. There's a a point in time for them where we were able to have these conversations, understand and and transition to something different. People in the Caribbean have not, right? And that was just her perspective, but that's what she was saying. So from us, we have to now have that conversation to say, can we have a decade or two? Can we have a half a century where we did not have police, where we did not have these individuals, where there's a clear connection between slavery and racial, you know, and racial tensions to now a legalized system that seems to incarcerate blacks at a much larger rate than anything else, right? Um, and I think that's that probably the, the best part to do. So taking Camden, you don't have any police. The other option on the other side of the country is Eugene, um, uh, Eugene Washington or Eugene, Oregon. Can't remember, but it's Eugene. Everyone, I think everyone knows Eugene. What they did is they re they took the money reallocated it to other people in the mental health counseling. And what they do is, so if someone's homeless, uh, you know, it seems to exhibit mental illness, um, those kinds of things. It does it doesn't uh, um, nece- necessitate an arrest. They call someone else to handle the situation. The police are there as far as a barrier is concerned, as far as you know, just overall general protection. Uh, but they are they are charged, the police are charged with calling someone else who, and maybe a drug addict, right? High on crack or high on something on the street. The police cannot arrest. They have to call a mental health person. They have to call a social worker to someone else to have a conversation with that individual. And they said that program is also a program that's been very, very successful. It's gotten quite people off the streets. Um, It has helped them tackle their homelessness. And so now you've got these individuals Uh, Police trained in a way to say, actually, that's not for me to handle. You know, obviously, someone was concerned. That's fine. You saw someone on the side of the street you thought was dead. We've all seen that individual before as we drive down the highways in Texas. Um, They just might have been, you know, drunk or they might have been high. You call the police. You know, you never know what happens, right? We all drive off. And Eugene is very clear. They call a mental health person that they call a social worker. And that person handles the situation. So that might be the new route that we have to go that there. We make it very clear If it's not domestic abuse if it's not you know there's not a shootout then we call the police but they have someone else to call and that's probably where the money needs to be allocated and the great thing is if I'm correct in remembering this um, in Eugene they're not part of the police department
1: they're a partnership with
2: the police department and I think that also is very clear about their their situations being different
0: yes because what I, I want to piggyback on that because when the police are involved in everything and they're tied Mm -hmm. so closely um, with the prosecutors, that's where that checks and balances begins to crumble. That's where that blue code of silence, blue wall, Mm -hmm. there really is no, there's no penetrating it because the police have their hands in everything. Prosecutors have to come in and prosecute everything. And most of the times there, I wouldn't want to prosecute Charles if he was out here shooting people. That's my friend. I don't think Mm -hmm. he's a bad guy. If he shot and killed three black people, then those black people were probably coming after him. I've known this man, I'm just going to say 10 plus years. So we don't age ourselves. Right. So you have some of these life for cops, life for prosecutors. They aren't going to feel comfortable prosecuting one another. But if the average civilian can always pick up the phone and call 911, which gives them that sense that they are still calling the police, but then the dispatcher knows this is a mental health call, the citizens still feel like I have a lifeline to the police. Mm-hmm. And then on their end, they're sending the right trained professional because I think we have a huge mental illness issue, specifically in the Black community. I think we have a lot of Black. Americans walking around with generational trauma and PTSD for merely existing in America, and especially in the South. But I think it's spreading now that obviously cell phones and cameras and they are catching lynches and knees on necks and and things like that. So as a black person living in America, if you are watching the news at all and have, even if you are a Republican like Charles, which is news to me, if you have an ounce of morality, this has to be affecting your psyche because what they keep doing is killing us with no justice, which to me means we aren't welcome here. It's dangerous to be a black person in America. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: So if we had the right people trained to know, it's not, it's a black male, it's a black male, it's a black male. Black Mm -hmm. males are dealing with trauma. So yes, if you bring guns to a traumatic person who is used to seeing people in uniform with guns kill people that look like him, of course, he's going to show up to the gunfight ready to powwow too, but he might've just needed a mental health professional to talk this through. Okay. Um, and I think that would also help, Charles, I think you raised a good point. When they hear blackmail 1,200 times a day or however many times in a year, it would be good for them to hear, yes, the suspect is a black male. We are dispatching um, mental health. We are dispatching a social worker we are dispatching an ambulance whatever the case may be so they can hear that yes this is what the subject looks like but it's connecting it and over time they can see okay black males or the people in the black community most often we're being called out for mental health issues or it's a it's a you know a social service issue which we talked about domestic violence and just all the things that are more prevalent um in a more oppressed segment of our country
2: yeah, I'd rather be called to take out a mental health issue rather than being called to get shot, right? Exactly. For some, and I think that's the, that's the biggest part is that our lives get to be spared, right? Yeah. We're, not, we're, not, we're not intimidating. You know, we, we might speak a different language. We might talk really fast or talk really slow, or, you know, we might use slang or we might use Ebonics, whatever. They, but that doesn't mean our lives are devalued. It doesn't mean we need to be shot for it, right? But that and gets down to the cultural
0: of, renaissance yeah. that we would have to go through.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you think about all the other, you know, cases that we've seen online. I have the right to raise my voice. If I, if I feel as though I'm being threatened, I have the right to tell people around me I'm being threatened. I, I got, That's my right, right? But that doesn't mean you need to pull your gun out and shoot me, right? Or put then me I guess the
0: question in is, in the society that we're in right now, yes, you have that right, but <clears throat> do you really? Because you're going to pay for that right with your life, whereas <clears throat> the crazy white woman in Central Park paid with it by just losing her job and being a hashtag temporarily. So mm-hmm. we should really break down the price that comes with having those rights because not every person pays the same fee.
3: I feel like police, the last resort, should be pulling out a gun. Like,
0: mm-hmm. it's and just that's the opposite of, of their pulling.
2: training. Right. And see that, and I would think, you know, again, as we start to, you know, kind of clean house in the police department, we can have those conversations, right? I, I think police should have guns to the shootout, right? If there was a shootout between gangs, I'm not gonna have the police show up to a shootout with knives, but I'm also not gonna have the police hanging out at, at Disney with you know with a gun. So it's like well, either you got two options. We can find some new technology where you ain't gotta shoot somebody, you can clearly restrain them with some, we got new technology out there to restrain them, or you can have a taser, right? I don't have to pay for my life with a taser. I don't have to pay for my life. You know, there's no bullet holes, you know, going through my body uh, with a taser, right? So we've got to start having some situational uh, approaches. Now, I, I don't believe that the that the, the police should have military gear. Like, why do you need a tank in our community? Yeah. Why do you need a full body outfit? You're not going to war? We don't have bombs why
3: are they spraying things at you. Why right? are they spraying gas, tear gas and stuff? Like, cu- like, cut there's it something.
2: out. Yeah. Like this is not, we're not in a war. It's not the embassy, right? You're not protecting the embassy. And yeah. even, even then I'm like, you don't need tear gas for that. Right. But
3: Outside of guns though. Think about it. It's like George Floyd with the knee on his neck. This is my, this is a little bit a crazy idea, but I think that, cause I want to talk about what happens when we get rid of everybody and then bring everybody back. Like what happens after that? Because honestly, like I said, I think, Reform's important, put in funding into stuff, into the black and brown communities to empower them to feel less, to feel more powerful within their own society. That's important, right? But I think that, and this is the the weird idea I was talking about, that there's got to be some type
1: of... Whatever temperatures this winter brings, your friendly and knowledgeable Bryant dealer is ready to help. We have the right training and support and are backed by outstanding products from one of the industry's most trusted names, Bryant. Whether you need a quick fix or an entirely new heating system, we will do whatever it takes for your family's comfort. Find your local dealer at bryant.com, Bryant, whatever it takes. Home is where you should feel the safest, but the air there can be more dangerous up to five times more polluted than outside air let us help you take the steps towards making it a healthier home with our bryant indoor air quality solutions we can help with everything from whole home air purifiers to indoor humidity control to schedule an evaluation of your home's air visit bryant.com to find a local dealer bryant whatever it takes technology or
3: something when we bring police back where it's like you can Scan and see if someone has a weapon, like if it's a, a car stop, right? Because the okay. first thing they always say is they think he had a gun. They, that like, that's why they shot or whatever. What if there's this like technology that like from far away scan the person? <laughs> I mean, not to, to, to be silly about it, but you know, like there's, we're creating all these cool things. Like, why isn't that a thing where you can figure it out? If that's your, your, what you're scared of, that the person has a weapon like there's got to be a way because there's no reason George Floyd should be dead right like there's just that is like preposterous like I just can't even fathom so there's no just, reason Mike Ramos should be dead when he has his hands in the air and he's saying hey I don't have a gun if there's something that can scan and say okay yeah he doesn't have a gun
0: like I think it's twofold I think one you have to look at the demographic that's suffering the most and it's easy to talk about the narrative of the black male, but it is black and brown men and women. If mm-hmm. this were happening to white women or white men, we would have this technology. And Wait, right, if we can be, put a they man be, on the moon, if we can be already in trial phases for COVID-19 and it just hit the globe in January, we have this technology. They are literally scanning your whole body every time you get on a flight. Yeah. So if this technology exists. It gets back to black bodies aren't valued enough to incorporate that technology. But until we are, there I Prince, I thought you raised a good point about diving into the legislation. I would love to see the numbers on how many police shootings, whatever the case may be, whatever stat we'd want to look at, maybe deaths by cops specifically in the black community would drop if it was an automatic first degree murder charge
3: period. <laughs> yeah. well, I guarantee
0: you they would mm-hmm. think twice before they pulled that trigger because one of those men, um, the gentleman whose knee was on George Floyd's neck, he's facing a first-degree murder charge. Yeah. Let that fool get the needle. I guarantee you a few more cops are going to think two and three times if they really feared for their life, if they start giving out murder charges.
2: Well, it's, it's also to the, um, not just the first, we, I, we hopefully we eventually get there, but it's also the we need to know who these officers are who keep perpetrating against people. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the problem that we're talking about, about that that that. we don't know. We he have has no.
0: Clue. Had a rap sheet. Why yeah. Is, why does he still have a badge?
2: Exactly. It's kind of like is you know first degree murder. Yeah, that might be hard to get past Congress. I, I could see how they. <laughs> but I but I can see where's the transparency and yeah. understanding. You know, what three strikes and you're out. If I was a teacher which I think you should use the teaching concept to train officers because if they were certified before and they went to school before, you know, they actually uh, became officers, maybe we'd have a different perception. Um, maybe a college degree in this case actually does make sense for officers. Um, but, you know, there, there has to be some repercussions because I'm sure we'll all get upset when the teacher sleeps with the student. Right. And the yeah, teacher, goes the we, we, we are pissed. We, we, we want a trial. We want the person to go to jail. We want that person to never teach a student again.
3: And they are instantly police, fired.
2: Exactly. When it comes to police, it's like, oh, you got, oh, slap on the wrist. Oh, it's okay. It's, it's, okay. it's okay. Yeah. It's administrative duty. And exactly. What do we did to teachers? People would be outraged if a teacher slept with a student and we said, it's all right. She became the principal or it's okay. She's now the school counselor or she's the janitor at another school. And it's what? like, well.
0: You can't One do One comparison that I heard that really stuck with me. I like the teacher example, but I forget who I was talking to. I'm always having these woke conversations. Um, I was talking to someone, and they compared the police to medical doctors. Medical doctors, I'm not a medical doctor, they take an oath, right, to do yeah. no harm. And essentially, it's their job to save your life. Mm-hmm. Same oath that police officers take, except it's not in the in the medical space. It's about your your physical safety in, instead of your your health care.
4: Right. If
0: you had a doctor that oops, I accidentally killed him. Oops, accidentally killed another black person. Oops, I accidentally killed him. All hell would break loose. No be So easy for mainstream to comprehend. This is a medical, a white medical doctor that keeps killing. Black men that lay out on his operating table. However, every white man that he's operated on, he's got a hundred percent success rate. Hmm. But I don't understand why cops get this, I call it a hero's excuse. Like they're portrayed in movies as this big hero, and they're out here killing people more than civilians are this Black-on-Black crime foolishness that we should just stop talking about. I guarantee you, if a medical doctor was out here killing Black people, bells would be going off. But for Mm -hmm. some reason, we're just so desensitized to it because he carries a badge.
2: Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think it's a value. I think it's a value. We value doctors more than we value officers, right? We, we, or maybe it's vice versa, but it depends on how you look at it. it it's about the value you add. It's about the fact that we hold, I think we hold higher regards of people who are medical. And when they fall from grace, we are less likely to give them uh, an excuse than we are officers. We, we're, we're willing to make excuses for officers more than we are for act for, for for doctors, right? Yeah, people, people don't understand. Um, people say, oh, you know, doctors get tired. They make mistakes. And people are just like, Screw that! That, that, that's no longer. You go to sleep. Go to sleep. What they'll say is, "Oh well, you know that," and that person was was captured, and it was in the wake of the month. And they start making these all. They start making all of these. So the value added is with the officer, not you know, not the doctor. And they start making all these grand uh, assumptions about what was going in the officer's mind and what was happening in the environment to say that the it was it was was, officer was justifying. It's very simple. Was the officer
0: trained? Yes. Is the medical professional trained? Yes. So you have training to prepare you for these situations. Why do you keep failing your training? That means Mm. you're not prepared. So you shouldn't be on the street. And if you're scared, you need to not be policing black neighborhoods. Mm. And I like the
3: doctor example. And I know we're going to talk about this on another episode, but I think that doctors, they, there's some subtlety. Oh, to the, the way that they, has its
0: issues too. To the way that okay. they
3: perpetrate against black and brown people, right? There's, like, it's happening, right? Um, For sure. we, we can't see that they're not prescribed, they're over prescribing this person or they're not treating this person that they know potentially has a life-threatening disease. We can't see those things where, as we can see the the police that is brutally beating someone in public or like, you know, that sort of thing. But I do, I mean, I like both examples. I think, you know, just in general with, um, and I'll go back to the, the teachers, right? Because I think that was like a pretty powerful example. You know, it that's where everything starts, you know, is with the teachers, like with education. And so I honestly think, and this is, I think this is huge, like, why do police why, why can't we defund police, pay teachers more, and and put more money towards schools, especially in those communities? Like, what are y'all's thoughts on that, right? Because we want to, like, I think we all are in agreement that, like, defunding the police is probably the best way. Like, it makes the most sense, right? At, at least in terms of, ref- so that we can reform, reform. and reallocate.
2: Yes. So,
3: yes. defund the police, start in the schools, put the money there, put some money into mental health so that when they're responding to things it's like you're also getting a social worker coming to aid as well you have the fire fire department emt police and social work all comes together let's figure the situation out right so in terms of education like what are your thoughts with that starting that is that the starting
1: point
2: Yes and no. I I think for me, it's, we can put, we can pay teachers more. I'm all about paying teachers more. I think, I think it's a long overdue conversation that we just haven't done. My, I think it it only solves one fourth of the problem. I think, you know, for me it's, we need to pay teachers more. We need better schools in the sense of physical schools. When I was at Southwestern we were playing um, Hendrix in Arkansas, Uh, we went to a hotel and right across the street was a prison and it looked like a prison. It had the, the, the tall gates with the, you know, the kind of the chicken wire at the top, um, it had the structure of a prison. And we drove by on the way to get to Hendrix and it said um, something something high school. And I was like, that clear, it looked like a Texas prison. I'm sure that must've been a prison they turned into high, something. And it was in the black community. So I think the, it's one fourth of the issue. One fourth being you know, the money we need to pay teachers. But the other one is around physical schools and how physical schools look, because a lot of the schools, um, particularly in the South, on the Black side of the communities, look like prisons, feel like prisons, or were gutted out from a prison system. And I saw this when I was in Arkansas, of all places, Uh, when we were at Southwestern and I was playing tennis, uh, we stayed in a hotel on the Black side of the community, and there was a school, while there was a prison I thought was a prison, and that actually was a high school, uh, because it looked like Texas prisons that we have like in Huntsville, and in Houston, uh, the federal and state prisons. So I think that's what we need to fix. But thirdly, and I, I stand pretty much alone or in a very small group, I think we need to start charging parents uh, and schools. Um, I've seen it happen in other countries where parent while, while you might pay your taxes, there is a monthly charge to send your children to education, to schools. Oh, and I agree 100%. I the reason why I say that is because the, it's the activity and the involvement of parents we are not seeing in schools. And it's a huge issue. It is Absolutely. Huge, if the community doesn't take any, you know, any sense of, of their schooling or any sense of community of the part of the school, the school is just functioning without any oversight, or at least elected, they have elected oversight and administration. But where is the parent oversight, in essence, of a larger event? When I was in the UK, every school had a board, and the boards were made up of parents, teachers, and administration. Right, and some of those those board members were were people who didn't even have children going to the school, to ensure that there was some external thought being provided to the school. No, I have-
0: think that would I think that would provide a lot of checks and balances because while I think education is important, if we do a deep dive into the areas where police brutality is most prevalent, education is not top of mind. Right, yeah. it's go play sports you know, get this money, fast money, education isn't top of mind. Um, mm-hmm. because that's just not the culture of that, of, of that, um, of that subculture, if, if you will. Um, but if you take their dollars, now you've got their attention and now you've got, um, accountability that this, if this family is having to pay a hundred dollars a month, and they're on minimum wage or a step above minimum wage, oh, you've got our attention, right? And, and it could be a scale, right? If your children make A's, you pay $25. If your children are failing or causing trouble, whatever the case may be, the more you have to pay, the more involved you're going to be. So oh, okay.
3: I wholeheartedly hate that idea <laughs> <laughs> because, I, <laughs> because I feel like you have to, if, if you feel... I don't think that that black and brown people I don't feel, I'll speak for black people cuz I'm black. Like mm. I don't feel like black people don't like are not pushing education. I feel like they don't feel empowered to be educated all the time, right? Like if you live in a community where you see everybody around you impoverished and even the the and the person that's doing the best in your um family is only making us maybe 30k a year and went to college, it's like, okay, I don't feel empowered, right? So I think it starts with empowering the communities. I mean, my daughter goes to private school, we pay in for school every month, right? But I think that you're losing, if, if you then tell black people that now you're gonna pay for your kids to go to school, not only are you gonna see a decline, right? Because everybody's got it, like that's just bottom line. Everybody hasn't been empowered to get education. Some people are making it paycheck to paycheck and barely make the bills they have. Their Ooh. kid going to school and them trying to, to push their kid to be in school is like their last resort to like, maybe my kid's going to do something to help us kind of thing, Ooh. you know? What if it
0: was a tax that came out? If it was- We pay taxes. Well, and of- that's what I'm saying because on your on your paycheck, at least in the state of Texas, it breaks, breaks all of that stuff down. But what if- we didn't charge the parents, but you saw it broken out on your paycheck, right? So right so now- A
3: lot of children aren't going to school.
0: What? No, 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 no. We don't change anything, but how you have uh, FICA, SUKA, your state taxes, all of that. Mm-hmm. If let's say okay. they take a dollar out of everybody's check across the country for state tax, not every state has state tax, but you get my point. Instead of saying this state tax is a dollar, say the state tax is ninety-eight cents. The school tax is two cents so that they can see like nothing has changed in your paycheck, but this amount that you that we withheld is going directly to your neighborhood school. So, so reallocate pay attention the to that. their checks. Exactly. Well, that's, that's happening it now is just it's like they might take it more seriously I think like that ha- that happens for building the
3: schools but it's just not enough right like there's so much more that's going to the police departments and I think that's where the conversation is it's like we shouldn't be spending a million bajillion dollars getting militarizing the police and instead cut that and make part part of that being towards the school uh, the the school districts right um, And, you know, I get what you're saying though, Mm. Dr. Charles Prince, the Republican. (laughs) Um, I get what you're saying. Like Mm. the parents do need, I I do feel like parents do need some type of, um, they have to be involved. Like for my daughter's private school, we have to do community service. So Mm. not only are we paying tuition every month, but we also are required to do community service hours for the school or out of the school that we have to get signed off. I was a whole cheer coach, okay? Like I got all the hours for Ava and she got three parents, okay? So we all at the school doing our hours together. So I think maybe if there's more of that where it's like, hey parents, we need to make sure your kid goes here, you gotta be involved to ensure that your kid is re enrolling next year and that they're on the come do some service to the school, some community service. Boom. There we go. But I wholeheartedly disagree with making parents pay for their kids to go to public school.
2: And, and, I, I definitely, and I've, I've heard the argument before, and I think it's a valid argument. I think the only, my only reservation to say you know, we, that, that's going to be a concern is because Black folks alone, and it's always, this hasn't changed, I think, in 20 years when, I, when we started having these conversations. There, is, there are only a few industries that Black people will spend trillions of dollars, and education is not on that list. It's not even in the top 10. And I think that's the issue we run into is to say, wait a minute, so black folks can be a one trillion or more industry in the sense of how much money they spend in commodities. And yet education is not even in the top 10 of where they spend their dollars. That's a problem. Right. What could we do as a community to spend an extra trillion dollars somewhere? Right. So instead of buying and going out and buying movies, even though we should, you know, we should support black actresses and directors. Instead of you know buying hair products, even though I, I always appreciate it, you know. Cause you work, ball. you don't understand the struggle. Right. I don't. I, don't have, I save money. <laughs> I'm not part of that money. I'll
3: probably spend but, a trillion on edge control. So
2: exactly. Far. See, but yeah. the thing the thing is is you know the number of people. I mean, the number of blacks who are spending you know a significant amount of money in other industries, particularly in industries we are we might have a stake in, but we're not necessarily winning in. Education is is one of the ones that we're we're just not winning in. And so ultimately it's like, well, how do we reallocate some of that money into education? You're gonna to have to charge them. The only way to change mindset or behavior of spending is to then force them to do it versus trying to, you know, carry them with the, with a carrot. We're gonna have to beat them with a stick. And, and while we do it with taxes, you kinda you of, already do. Like you pay state taxes or you pay city taxes or, you know, that kind of stuff. And the city gets all that money and they allocate between what those things are. And it's up to you to decide to look whether or not, you know, your money is being spent the way you, you know, you feel uh, how you do it. But the, but the problem is, is, you don't, it's not in your face, which is what I get the point of Crystal, it's not in your face. You, you see your paycheck and it doesn't say education tax. It just says federal, social security, Medicare, state and city or state and county, or however your thing is straight up, you see nothing about education. And so again, how do we start to change behavior and spending of individuals to start thinking about how do we spend more money in education? And right now, the only thing that I can see in doing that is looking at other countries where public education is public, but there's still an expectation on behalf of parents to pay or to provide some monthly stipend to the school. And usually that's determined by the school and the parents who are on the board of that school.
3: I'm curious to know what are those top industries? Do you do you know off top, like what the top one or um, two industries that Blacks spend in?
2: Yeah, music. Um, oh, uh, hell. Music, I think is music, sports, and, um, uh, well, the top five, but the top three is music, sports, and I believe it's like you know entertainment. And what about white folks? Um, <laughs> that one I gotta go look. Okay. <laughs> I I'm really right people. That. I think heard, like entertainment. Yeah, yeah like, I can look see, but there is there's the like the economic center that that tries to focus on look at where people spend their money. i get interest interested. That's
3: like really cool to know. Yeah. Like, how are different communities spending their money? Right? Like, mm-hmm. I work in marketing, so I do a lot of analysis of like. Women and men and like gender, but we never we don't do a deep dive into race all the time. um But that's interesting to see where are Black people spending the most of their money versus whites and Latinas and whatever, yeah. right? Like I think um, that's interesting to to see. But I if in my hypothesis would be the white people spending heavy in entertainment, yeah. so are Asians, so are Latinas, and education is. You know, because Black women and we've I probably said it thousands times, we're pursuing education the most. We are doing the absolute most, okay, and are in terms of education the top at this point, right? So, I mean, how is that compared across the board with other races?
2: So and I think like, no, you're right, and we're but we're more likely to be in debt. We're more likely not to have the lot of uh, suppos- disposable income compared to whites because
3: so it starts at so the, the bottom, like being empowered exactly. in within our the black and brown communities, being em- empowered from our our parents went to college, our grandparents went to college, their parents were able to go to college. Like that wasn't a thing. We're just we're starting generation. These white people are starting way before us in terms. We're just catching up.
4: Yeah.
3: Like our generation, our our grandkids and great grandkids are going to have the luxury of saying, my great grandmother went to college, her, you know, and like, they probably won't have debt because
4: mm-hmm.
3: it's been able to build, but it's very different for the way it is now. And I'm not explaining that to the best of my ability, so I apologize, but I'm just, I feel really strongly about that particularly, yeah. just like, you know, when it comes to education and, and the black community, I feel like we are thriving. We're tr- like, it's, We're tr- everybody's trying. You know we're pursuing things at a high level
2: so, you're, you're talking about the wealth gap there's a there's a clear wealth gap yeah. between blacks and whites that, and that's, that's, that's yeah. basically what you've explained is there's there's a huge wealth gap there's white money what we call old money and old then there, money which has and again that has controlled policing right exactly the, a conversation that we had just to bring it back to policing there was a conversation i had with a group and a company and, the, and the, the young lady, she's Italian, but she's very fair-skinned, right? So she'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a white woman, uh, but I'm Italian. She's very fair-skinned, so she can pass. You know, we talk about passing with black folks as well. Um, and her dad, her, her parents owned a restaurant in Brooklyn. And her, again, her parents were also fair-skinned, but Italian. And she got a PBA card. You know, it's called Policing Benevolence Association. And this card is given to individuals as a, I got you, cause you got me. And depending on your degree, it also allowed you to have, uh, to get a, a, out of jail free card for a level of an offense. So if someone, for example, um, I, you know, I don't know how this degrees go when they said level of degree, but it's like this, the way he explained it was, you got a regular card from a regular, regular bloke, who you probably bought their sandwich at a shop and they didn't have any money. Right. So he gave you this PBA card he says, you know, here, if you ever get pulled over, if something happens, just pull it out. My guys will handle you. Right. Okay, cool. You get pulled over for speeding. They come up, they say, sir, I caught you speeding. That's fine. You help. hand them that card and you hand them your ID and they say, okay, thank you, sir. Make sure you drive safely. And they walk off and you go when you know i good and well, you should have got a ticket. But then based on the degree, so the, pers- the person within this association who gives you the card, the severity of your situation can also become you know, a slap on the wrist. So let's say the person is a third degree in the association, he gives you the card, it says third degree, and let's say it requires you to have jail time, like they're supposed to arrest you, take you to jail, you show this PBA card, the police officers will look at it and say, oh, so it's like that, okay. They might take you in the back, they might drive you around in a circle and they'll bring you back home, and right? This is
0: happening or, today.
2: This is happening today America. and decades, like in over the last 20 years, these PBA cards have been given out by officers to individuals to use, and, and they're still being given out today. And this, this is no. that white power situation that we're starting to see come out in conversations about how people are using their influence and their wealth within structures to be able to influence outcomes for people who, who don't deserve it. Or, so
0: I thought you were full of crap. And I was like, Charles don't know what he's talking about. It's legit on Google. This is a real thing. The BBC was reporting on it. This is a legit oh my gosh! Thing. But I yeah. think t- to bring all of this on all home, This is entrenched and woven into who America is as a person. You have Mm. to look at the country. You know, I have an HR background. So when we're we're building organizations from a people standpoint, we're like, what is the culture of the organization? What we're essentially asking is if this organization was a person, how would it act? How would it engage with people that are similar to it or different from it? Would it be welcoming or if you're not like us, you can't sit with us? If we look at America as a person, it is an out-of-touch older white male not saying it's necessarily as far bad as trump or as off the wall as biden either way vote for biden but this is a moral character personality flaw and it is it takes a lot to train an old dog new tricks and at this point america obviously isn't the oldest dog walking around the planet but it's been around a minute and this is just who she is so we essentially have to kill it, just flatline it and rebuild. So if we want to start by rebuilding the police, then know that we're going to have to do the same thing for the educational system. We're going to have to do the same thing for healthcare. We're going to have to do the same thing for the financial sector, which includes credit, housing, everything that our money touches, because it's not all of these issues are interwoven. And it's because America at her core is a racist asshole. Who thinks she's untouchable? Mm-hmm. I should say he, because we have Lady Justice, but she ain't blind. Mm-hmm. And so this is just who America is. I mean, we could talk about defunding, decommissioning, all of this stuff, but until we get to the root of the issue that America is racist, and if you're not white, this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. It's really all just disneyland at this point because while we might you know we see the things happening like you said in camden and i think you said eugene Eugene uh-huh these are specs right but the rest of the country is still walling out
2: but i think the 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 funny thing about america is that it's so young compared to other countries or other regimes let me not say countries because countries is a new concept for a lot of people in in america but regimes and empires that It's a 32-year-old who thinks they are an old, white, 80-year-old male. That is a good point. And the reason why I say that is because at least generationally, we would hope that America would say, you know what, we have an opportunity because we're so young to reshape ourselves. Let's have a midlife crisis. I think that's what we're having at the moment. I think we're having a midlife crisis. Will that midlife crisis make us cut our hair and go bald? you know, go and work out and and have a new physique and and think about things that we really love and go through this reflection period? I don't think so. Do I hope that we get to a a tension point where America's going to have to just, you know, broke something so serious that they're just going to have to do it? I hope and pray we do get there. Do I think America naturally will happen just because of how young it is? I don't think it will, because I also see America as the 22-year-old who doesn't think they're going to get sick, doesn't you know buy insurance and thinks that the world is their oyster and can just do whatever the hell they want, right? Welcome so, to the global pandemic. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, there there's this generational mindset or society that America is compared to who you're looking at. You're, you're a 32-year-old thinking you're an old white male, but you're living like a 22-year-old. <laughs> you're already going through a life crisis. It's just now that you're going to have to start dealing with something. So I think you're completely right. But I, I also think that you know we might have to take this in increments and because policing is the first it might be our test trial to say can we gut something out can we completely not have it and then what happens because people can all use that same argument to then say let's do it education how about we take education out altogether? take out teachers altogether? this whole structure of racism the fact that you can't teach talk black history in education let's take that out too and then you can do whatever you want teach your children and they can do whatever natural thing they want to do to learn how to learn about society the point is, at what point the, of a society who does not have a, the, the true morality to be able to understand and reflect on these questions, then say, well, no, we'll do it for this, we won't do it for that. We'll do it for this, we won't do it for that. And yet racism still exists, right? Yeah. So from my point is either we have it for everybody and do it for all programs, or we do it for none and then take, a, a, take the, the scalpel and really start carving out of each society.
0: Excellent, excellent conversation we're gonna to have to have the doc back who knows He's yeah. our token black guy <laughs> <laughs> this is ali j and i'm crystal Lowe, and that's it for
3: this week be sure to tune in next sunday at 12 p.m central for another episode of not your token black girl and also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or google and follow me at basic alley on instagram
0: follow me on instagram and twitter Lottery! Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Amazon Prime members now get free grocery delivery with a minimum order. You'll get your groceries with two-hour delivery. So in that time, you can finally figure out where the biblioteca is, learn how to play the acoustic guitar, and I guess get a puka shell necklace. Do a makeup tutorial, but realize halfway, contouring is hard, and you're beautiful just as you are. Whatever it is you're doing with your time, your shopper will be carefully picking out your favorite organic meats, produce, dairy, and snacks while providing contactless delivery to your door. Free two-hour grocery delivery. Now with Prime.